Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.
are entering the Rory Sauter Show, home of America's Man of the Hour and home of America's biggest Trump supporters. Climb aboard and buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. Monday. It is great to be with all of you. We have a huge show tonight. We had great shows last week, great dialogue. I want to thank all of our guests from last week. It was fantastic. Uh, first and foremost, like I do every episode, I want to thank my audience. I want to thank my co-hosts. I want to thank my guests. And I want to thank my sponsors. You guys are amazing, unbelievable. We are now listened to on over 60 online platforms in, in 22 different countries. So it just keeps moving and moving, getting better and better every episode. Um, and I just, I can't thank all of you enough. I mean, you, again, 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 I know I keep saying it, but you are all incredible. And uh, without you, this would not be possible. Uh, I want to welcome uh, my co-host few of them. Let's welcome, first and foremost, uh, founder of College Republicans United and founder of Republicans United and currently the leader of Nationalists United. How are you, Kevin Dukeiper? I'm doing wonderful, Rory. A never dull moment in the political scene. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I hope um, everybody had a, uh, had a great weekend. I, uh, I know I did. How was your weekend, Kevin? Uh, it was uh, eventful and uh, definitely a lot of fun uh, connecting with new friends and uh, growing a movement with uh, my Nationalist United group, and I think we have a lot of great things to come. Yeah, and there's definitely been a, in a, a lot of news in the in – the, um, there's been a lot of news over the weekend in the headlines, and we're going to get to that tonight. We've got a lot to get to, a lot, of, a lot to establish. I also want to welcome businessman, Twitter master, activist, and political strategist Bill Lambert. How are you, my friend? Good. How are you doing tonight, Rory? Doing well, man. Doing well. I uh, also want to welcome to the show. Um, here, here he is, right here. Um, I'm just it's popping. Across, it's popping across the screen. Uh, conservative talk show host, 2024 presidential candidate, activist, and best-selling author Daryl Kane. How are you, buddy? 
Brother, I'm doing good. It's good to hear your voice. I missed you this weekend. We got Kevin yeah, in here. We're going to have a great show. Oh, absolutely. We, uh, gonna, let's get, let's get into it. Let's get in. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, we're all going to have to meet up sometime in person, but uh, I won't hold you up. DarylKane2024.com. Looking forward to a fun show. Thanks again for having me, Rory. Absolutely. So the main, the main story tonight, the opening story I want to get into, obviously, is this border crisis. And I know over and over repeatedly I've discussed this topic on the show, but we have to keep discussing it because it keeps on being a major problem. This is nothing to take lightly. This is completely uh, de- it's detrimental to so many different people. Because uh, look, at, look at all the people that are coming into this country un- unvetted. We don't know anything about them. And it puts so many Americans in harm's way. It's a burden on taxpayers. They cost taxpayers nearly $300 billion with a B every year, illegals. Uh, the, the, just the slap in the face to people that have came here and did it the right way. Uh, a new report out today says that within a three-month time frame, illegal uh, alien invasion into our country is at about a half a million. I mean, no. Yeah, yeah, half a million. 500,000 in a three-month time frame. I mean, this, I have studied politics for a long time. I've been a, a huge fan of it for a long time. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, these people are coming in like animals. They are, and it, it's scary. It's like a movie. It doesn't even, you know, I would have never thought this could ever happen years ago where we'd be at a point uh, at our, in our history where, you know, th- this would be a, a terrible epidemic. And it's, it's just like, it's like a, it's like a bad disease. It's just, it's, it's sick. It's deranged. It's wrong. Uh, we're not a country without borders. And, and President Trump has made that very clear. And we all know why the Democrats want this uh, situation. It's so they can get the votes and they can have a oppression narrative. So they, ha- they have something to run on. They want to put illegal aliens in the box of victims. Oh, they're so oppressed. They're so oppressed. Give me a break. I mean, this, we remember what Bill Clinton said back in the day. I mean, I'm not a Democrat, never have been, but at least the Democratic Party used to have some sort of substance. Like they would call for protecting the borders. I'm sure people recall when Bill Clinton said, anybody that comes in here illegally will be prosecuted. So, you know, it's just typical politics for you that the Democrats are going back on their, on, on their whole chain, on, on, their, on their, you know, mindset now uh, just because Trump's against it. I mean, we all know Democrats would be all for this if, if, um, if, Trump, if Trump was for open borders, the Democrats would say, We're, we want stronger borders. If, if, but if, whatever Trump's doing, they do the opposite. It's sick stuff. It's politics, it's dirty, and they're not representing we the people. Let's face it, guys. They want to do whatever, whatever, they want to do the opposite of whatever Trump's doing. They want to counter him. They want to cause a divide. They don't give him credit where it's earned. I want to play this clip of Trump at the border the other day, and then we're going to talk about it. Uh, One four. 
Mr. President, aside from the wall, and I just came from McAllen, Texas, Rio Grande Valley, right. they're getting hit so hard from coast to coast. All the Border Patrol chiefs tell me, in addition to the wall, they need Congress to roll their sleeves up. Oh, and well, that's change the whole these laws. We could change these laws in 15 minutes. I could change them, uh, catch and release. You know what that is, Democrats. Yes, you catch the person, you take their name, and you release them, okay? Right. And we're not doing that anymore, and it's just a horrible thing. Chain migration, where you come in and you have hundreds, of, you have a lot of people come in with you. Your mother, your father, your uncle, your aunt, your grandmother, your grandfather, your brothers and sisters. And I mean, we had a case where somebody that, as you know, radical Islam, he ran somebody, he ran many people down on the West Side Highway in New York, you know it well, right. and uh, killed eight people, wounded a horribly injured 12 people, I mean, sure. missing arms and legs. And he has many people under chain migration. Many of his relatives have come in with him. Uh, it's crazy. And then, of course, you have the lottery, visa lottery, where they pick them and they pick people. And these countries aren't giving us their finest, okay? They're not giving us their finest. I'm not going to say they give us their worst, but, you know, why wouldn't they? So we have to get rid of these things, and we can have it so easy. What has happened, though, and you've seen it, is Mexico now, for the first time, is apprehending people and bringing them back with and this is otherwise we're going to close up the border are any democrats willing to work with you to change well we're going to find out i think they're getting hurt badly politically and then once they get hurt badly politically they'll start working with us in the meantime uh, mexico is doing a job that we could be doing but mexico is now apprehending people at their southern border right and they're bringing them back to honduras or guatemala or wherever they come from el salvador Uh, they're also stopping the mexicans from coming in and we've had a great four days, and it only started when I said we're going to close the border, and I will close the border, or I'll put the tariffs on the cars that they make and they send into our country essentially tax-free, and uh, I'll put tariffs on there, and then I'll close the border after that if that doesn't work. So let's address that. How would you put a tariff on it when your own agreement precludes that? Well, we haven't haven't finished our agreement yet, so I'll put that in there. I'm going to put it in there because if they – look – People are pouring through Mexico. They come from other countries. I already stopped the money. We pay them over $500 million, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and others. We stopped the money. Some people would say, oh, you should give them more money. The Democrats say give them more money. They're forming caravans to get people out. I've been in them. And you know what? They're not putting their best people in those caravans, okay? But they're forming caravans. They're putting people in. They're sending them up. You know it better than anybody. You know what's going on. So, Mr. President, is it time to call for a summit between yourself, the president of Mexico, no. the presidents of Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador? No, I don't need a summit. I think we've done very well without the summit. They understand. We stopped. We're saving $550 million. And I respectfully told, and I thank him very much, because for the last four days, it's been great. You see, that whole stream is drying up. They could stop them at their southern border, their southern border. And uh, you look at what's happening now. They pulled in 1,500, 1,500 yesterday. They brought them back. They pulled in over 1,000 the day before, over 1,000 the day before that. Today, I haven't gotten the number, but I understand it's a lot. Where I was in RGV, 14 uh, straight days of 1,000 plus, 1,400 yesterday. And this is what I want to address with you. They're releasing now, particularly the family units, uh, to the public. In the fabric of the U.S., tens of thousands uh, are being released and will continue. Are we witnessing the second generation of DACA forming? No, we're witnessing uh, people that are going to be brought out of the country. Uh, The country is full. We have, our system is full. We can't do it anymore. Uh, We go by this 
horrible Flores situation. You know, that decision is a horror show. We have to release after 20 days. And we built big detention areas, but they fill up immediately. There's never been so many people coming up, and that's because they're gaming the system, and the system has changed for the worse because of what happened with Democrats and what they've done in terms of Congress. So if we change the laws, it would be very easy. But in the meantime, Mexico, if they stop the people from coming in, we won't have a lot of people coming at the border. News today, your nominee for ICE director, Ronald Vitello, 30 years in the job. Why did you withdraw his nomination? Because we may go a different way. Uh, we may have to go a very tough way, and we're going to see, and we'll see. Ron's a good guy. I know him well. He's done a good job, but we may just go a different way, a little bit tougher. Tough question for you. Since you've done so much on immigration and made it a central issue, uh, we may end up, by your administration's own projections, upwards of a million undocumented immigrants added to the existing population. What does that say about your administration's Well, handling? I think what happened is I've proven to be right. If we were able to build the wall, now I've gotten the money for the wall. And you take a look at this. I hope you're covering it because we have miles and miles of it being built right now. Uh, Hundreds of miles are under construction, and, and more importantly, they're under contract. Uh, I think 157 miles right now is under contract. They're getting ready to start. The Rio Grande, we're doing a lot of work there. That's where a lot of people come in. And uh, I've shown the people that I was right. I mean, this is what's been happening for a long time. It's been happening for a long time. They didn't even put down the numbers. They didn't used to put down the real numbers. I mean, you look at what's happened. You know, in the old days, they didn't mark down. They didn't say how many people were coming in. What we're doing is the gang members don't get in, and if they do get in, ICE is getting them out, the bad ones. We have a lot of bad ones, you know, that want to get in. And when you look at the caravans, they're composed of people that, I'm sorry, but they're not supposed to be coming into our country, and we're stopping it. But what we will be doing is now our system is full. And I told our people today, our system is full. We can't take any more. The asylum is being scammed, the whole asylum system. I mean, you have gang members, tough people, saying they're afraid to be in their country. They're not afraid. You, and then they'll come up with flags. They're holding flags from the country. So there you have it, guys. You know, let's face the facts. This has been a problem, like I said on the last show, years and years of buildup with past presidents, past leaders. This could have been dealt with in a few seconds, but our past leaders purposely – let this let this go and didn't take action on this when they should have. Let's face it, um, the visa lottery absolutely sickening. They, they pick random people and they just get to flow into our country. We see all the rapes, we see all the murders, we see all the assaults that these illegals put on our people. I mean, yeah, you know, there's probably a good amount that are good people, but there's a lot that are bad, and you know, it, it's it's one of those things where we got to put our people first. You know, we can't have second-class citizens coming in here trying to make the rules and, and trying to have all this authority. They come in here, wave their flags, saying how great their country is. If, if their country is so great, then why are they here, man? They got no respect for our country. They mooch, a lot of them. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. Like, I, I'm just tired of it. Uh, Bill, go ahead. Well, yeah, they're, they're you know, you, you hit the nail right on the head when you said an approach uh, – Oppressive agenda. I mean, that's a, a socialistic agenda that the Democrats have adopted. And you, you can either oppress a, a population by brute force, or you do it by economically, so they become dependent on the government. And there's only really a couple ways that you can can accomplish that. One by taxes and 
and in regulations and fees and all that. And you see France is in in a lot of European countries are going through that. Or you you bombard the the country with with immigration, illegal immigration that that saturates the system to where it breaks down and the government has to intercede. And and again, the population becomes dependent on 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 the government. And you know that this border. You know, we're only apprehending what eighty-five percent of the people that that are going through the ports of entry. There's another fifteen percent that's getting through that are not at ports of entry, and those are really where the bad guys are coming through. And that that one Arizona sheriff said we we find a hundred bodies a year, and that's indicative of every border state there is. And they they want to talk about a humanitarian crisis and caring so much and everything. You're talking about four or five hundred people literally die, dying of of dehydration in the desert but they didn't, nothing's ever said to, or addressed to stop that it's 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 mind blowing kevin go ahead and then daryl after kevin uh, yeah so everything you've been saying rory has been absolutely correct and and very important too because uh it's, this is the worst crisis of our time absolutely and the Pentagon has finally approved that $1 billion for the wall, 57 miles of new walls to be built. But yeah. the Democrats in Congress have decided they could sue the president. That's the absolute right. most absurd thing I've heard. Whatever happened to the supremacy clause within our Constitution, our, our administration needs to be able to make decisions that will impact our country's biggest problems. Well, worse yet, they think that they are able to get away with it if they could prove that uh, Trump's decision is going to damage some group of people. Well, we live in the biggest melting pot in the world. I mean, it's, any decision is bound to damage somebody, and it's almost as if we're paralyzed from being able to act in any way. So what's going on right now is we've only had new uh, barriers, steel flat barriers, uh, replacing pre-existing fencing, and that's in parts of New Mexico and in Texas. But we don't have any new wall built. We, we were promised a big, beautiful wall, and Trump's been trying his hardest to get it here. But there's so much grandstanding, so much uh, resistance from the, the Democrats that we can't get it done. And uh, I'd say the, the worst part of this all, of all of this, really, is the uh, this new USMCA trade deal that's supposed to uh, replace NAFTA. I mean, we all know that NAFTA is the worst trade deal in, in our time, and Trump yep. said maybe even ever, and I, I've been meticulously studying this new trilateral trade deal, and I can say with pretty much pretty confidently that it's it's even worse in the sense that uh, there's three main mechanisms uh, that allows us to have uh, dispute resolving, uh, Chapter 20, Chapter 19, and Chapter 11. Uh, they're different, but the, the, the main thing is Chapter 11 is being replaced by what USMCA is calling uh, Chapter 14. And it basically says that uh, these countries are given the right, the right to engage in free trade within each other's companies. Uh, so what the biggest problem is uh, Mexico does not have a right to engage in commerce in our country. I don't see why you know, we need to be able to enact protectionist policy against these countries. And the problem is if, we, uh, if this USMCA trade deal gets ratified, then we will face you – know, significant financial penalties if we put on tariffs, put on duties on, on this country. So we're really in a, a really tough position here. 
Um, and this contract, if, if it gets approved, it's going to be a minimum of 16 years. And I don't think we're going to last 16 years being unable to put pressure on these, these countries with our, our trade policies. Uh, it's a losing deal. And uh, so the USMCA had uh, pretty much deactivated uh, our uh, the resolution saying that we're able to uh, penalize um, Canada and Canada is able to penalize us. But historically, we've only gained from, from this resolution. So cutting it down um, – is not been good uh, for for us. Uh, our, our companies in America have gained uh, 300 million from the Canadian government, and not vice versa. Uh, so I would say that the the best part of the USMCA deal is there is some uh, quality control, um, so that our products from Mexico don't look so much like products from China. But in the big picture, um, it really is destroying our national sovereignty. And and Trump and Pence are still. Uh, politicking, you know, supporting this this deal, and I, I don't think it's good. We need to be able to have bilateral trade deals or even unilateral trade deals where we say, hey, this is what we need to do in order to protect ourselves. I don't, I don't know about this, Rory. Um, but, you know, I like – I will say this, and I think this is important to point out. Trump is getting way stronger on the border and the crisis down there. You see how he got rid of Secretary Nielsen today. And then there was somebody else that resigned that was uh, involved with ICE. I think the ICE director resigned, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, it's one of those things where Trump, Trump sees what's going on, and he sees how these people were incompetent uh, with, with, with uh, monitoring and, you know, being in charge of immigration. That He needs to bring new horses in there. He needs to bring new people and, and uh, yeah. you know, make this, make this stop happen because – you know, this invasion is, is beyond dangerous. And the sense of entitlement that these foreigners have coming into our country should scare the shit out of anybody. You know what I mean? Absolutely. We need, we need action, and especially a, a border. Yeah. yeah. Um, Daryl, go ahead, Daryl. Yeah, so I, I've often said that a country, a great indication that you have an immigration problem is when illegal immigrants have political leverage. Uh, that's usually a pretty good indication that you've probably got some issues. And uh, certainly the illegal class of the United States holds tremendous political leverage, which is a, a horrifying political dynamic. Uh, let, let's realize, you know, not only has, has the left fully weaponized this group, but the GOP is, is mortally afraid of it. And they don't want to talk about it. I mean, the only reason why they've sort of sheepishly, sheepishly excuse me, adopted this is because Trump – and, and Trump, as a reflection of the base, has really held their feet to the fire on this. And we're, we're not backing off of this. They don't even want to talk about it. And that's really the extent of this problem, that this, this growing group has this tremendous political leverage, and there's this dynamic where you're just driving the wedge further and further apart. You know, and Kevin, Kevin made some, I mean, so many excellent points and talked about sort of the, the hurt feelings of, of these groups and how the left is very good at painting narratives and, uh, you know, making this about the, the five-year-old boy who's at, within this, this caravan coming over here. And, you know, the reality is, is that the world is a very big place, and at all times there are a lot of things going on. And so very much of what is shaped into reality is a reflection of what you choose to fixate on. You know, when you're walking outside – in your backyard, you may step on some bugs. And if you want to reorder the world around making sure that nobody steps on bugs, then you shouldn't buy shoes and you shouldn't go outside. 
So, yeah. you know, we have to go back to having a properly ordered sense of reality, right? I mean, the first thing that you do when the plane is going down is you've got to grab the, the air for yourself because the child mm-hmm. can't get it for themselves. Order our, our yeah. national priorities and really not, not allow them to, uh, you know, make little minute, very, very personal dynamics and, and make the, the whole issue out of that because we can – we can paint all different stories, all, all that we want. And I think the bigger thing is to step back to that and, and actually just say, hey, you know, the country has to have a national sovereignty, has to have a national identity. And a great point that you made in the opening, Rory, uh, you know, about that sense of entitlement and sort of uh, the victimhood status. This, again, speaks to what the left has done on, on civil rights, which is that they've basically conflated everything that isn't white. Uh, they've conflated that. To the unique experience and the unique hardships of the African American community, right? I mean, the, what the injustice has done to the African American community—that is a, a unique part of our American history. And we can have a conversation about whether or not the welfare state has been helpful to the African American community. I think the facts clearly bear out that in fact it made them worse. Not been, it made them way worse. Have been, yeah, these things. These things have been deeply destructive. The removal of, for example, the intact household requirement from welfare was an act of violence against the African-American community because it separated the fathers from the homes and basically descended the entire community into matriarchal chaos. So, uh, you know, this this is the way they put them in boxes, you know, Daryl. Yeah. Yeah. But but now everything is equated to that. Right. Everything. A man trying to use a women's restroom is equated to, you know, Rosa Parks. Excuse me, I'm actually driving to the airport, um, and I'm not driving something over. We've got some construction going on here. But, uh, yeah, everything is completed to that, and what we see now is that this becomes just yet one another, uh, yet another victim group for them. And that's what the left is. It's a coalition of self-created victim groups basically being farmed outward to overwhelm, in a political sense, to overwhelm the traditional working-class, sustainable Americans. So all of the points being made on, on the show thus far have been really terrific. And, and I think that, again, I, I find Trump's tone encouraging. I think that it is moving in the right direction. Let's also project maybe where things might be should he win a second election. Uh, you know, would he maybe be able to become more aggressive? We're definitely seeing him ramping things up. He's not necessarily quite where everyone on the base is or where we necessarily want him to be. So I think it's good to also keep reintroducing uh, the other less comfortable parts of this conversation. You know, we want to talk about the proxy ways that we can talk about immigration. If we talk about crime, and that's sort of our way of politicizing this, is let's talk about the drugs coming over. But then the other part of it is let's talk also about the demographic cultural shift that's being forced on the nation um, in, in a way that really, I mean, it, it parallels Western nations, but what's going on in Western civilization as a whole right now is almost without historical precedent. You know, you have seen countries be overwhelmed by other groups, but, but not actively invited in there by the political elite. So I think that, you know, Trump is saying a lot of good things, and I think that he is bringing a good tone to this, and I think that we should continue to reinforce him by introducing those other elements that are maybe less comfortable to talk about but but uh, possibly even more important than those, those, you know, proxy topics of crime and economics and so on and so forth. Yeah, well said, well said. Um, I do want to mention – uh, that we are opening the phone lines, uh, 213-943-3828. We are going to take a commercial here in a second, and we'll introduce our, our guests. 
But I do want to go to Mike Peters in New York. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I, I came in at the end of the conversation. I, I got some of it, but uh, I'd agree with the last gentleman that we're spoke. Just basically, that we're I, talking I about the crisis. We're, we're talking about everything that's going on with, you know, Trump was at the border a couple days ago and, right. you know, how he just got rid of Secretary Nielsen today. Well, I think, you know, I've noticed a lot of people complaining about that, saying, well, look, here's another, another example of Trump changing people. And look, in the past, these other politicians, when they assign somebody, it's almost like a job for the duration of the administration. And that's not right. Whereas he's looking at it like a businessman. If you can function, if you can do the job, you're going to keep the position. If not, you're going to get replaced. And Washington's not used to that. This is accountability. This is you have to perform. So I don't blame him. I think it's a good thing. I'm glad to see it. That's it. Um, I believe IQ, is that you? I'm with you, yes. Okay, perfect. I want to, I want to introduce you. We got um, ISIS escapee, radical Islam expert, activist, and best-selling author IQ Al-Razuli. IQ, I'm sure you've been listening. What are your thoughts on uh, this whole situation with uh, Trump going in a stronger direction on the border? Well, he has to. Good God, we have been discussing this subject maybe for two years. Everybody yes. talks about it, but yes. people keep forgetting that the Democrats have absolutely no intention of being loyal citizens to America. It's not sinking in in the, in the American mind. The Democrats are the anti-American entity. Am I right or am I wrong? You're absolutely right. I mean, they, so they're, what the, they're the anti. of Americans will never change their mind because they support the Democrats. The other 47% will never change their mind. They they support Donald Trump, and they're right. So only 6% of Americans will decide the future of the republic. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Really, I mean, we can talk from here to eternity. There is no question that Donald Trump is correct. None. Because no other nation on earth will allow anybody, child, woman, or man, to come in without being checked. No other nation on earth. Show me one. Oh, yeah, of course. If you have Merkel inviting one and a half million Muslims, that's a different story. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Um, I do want to go to a a quick commercial. Uh, We'll be right back, though, everybody. Uh, Stay with us. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRay Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRay Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. And we are back. Very good to be with all of you. The Rory Sauter Show, listened to in 22 different countries on over 60 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes or want to see 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit our new media site, thenexgenusa.com. And don't forget, uh, we will have many notable people that will be having their own shows on my network 
here in the coming months. So stay tuned. We will make more announcements on that. Uh, I do want to welcome our guest, a uh, very, very talented guy, national talk show host, Desert Storm veteran, columnist, and activist, Eric Thompson. How are you, my friend? Welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you, actually. Good evening. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you here, man. And, you know, first and foremost, when new guests come on my show, I always like to kind of get their background, you know, the, the adventures you've been through in life, the chapters, uh, you know, just the, the different uh, stories you have, all that good stuff. Well, I'm a guy from the Midwest, uh, ended up in the Marine Corps, uh, Desert Storm years. Um, I've been to 13 countries, was able to broadcast from the Olive Tree Hotel in Jerusalem. Uh, I'm a conservative independent, been married 25 years, but just to keep it simple, I, I'm the kind of person that looks at things very simply. Um, I don't think, you know, our Constitution was written simply, the Bill of Rights were written very simply because they wanted to prevent tyranny, because most people that that uh, are in a nation that are free will end up allowing themselves to be put under tyranny, and our founders did all they could to try to make sure that we didn't follow suit. So I'm, I've, I'm someone that's been from Saudi Arabia to, to Italy, to Ireland, to Austria. I've interviewed people in those different countries, and, and they, all, they all marvel at our country. You know, they, they were lied to by the media that we loved Obama, and uh, so they would actually tell me, you are, you are so fortunate to have a great president when I went over there during his eight years. And I had to break it to them. If it, was, if it was in Austria during a Mozart concert, I had to break it to some women from Singapore and from London, you know, to a, 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 guide, a guide in Israel that uh, actually we are, as a free people, not um, responding to Barack Hussein Obama. There, there was a, I, call, I told them that we, we had a coming civil war uh, culturally as well, you know, so you have your faith, family, country, and you have this Marxist movement through the universities that's been pouring out Marxists for decades, and we're starting to feel the, the fruit of us not intervening in the colleges. So that's kind of a summary of me. I think we're, I think we're in the midst of a, of a gentle civil war, and I think um, if the, if the middle-aged patriots don't decide to take responsibility for our country, then we are, we are in for some tough times. So that's, uh, that's kind of, I'm coming from a military side as well as a Midwesterner. I've been in California for 25 years, so I actually live amongst tens of thousands of illegal aliens. I see the abuse of the uh, H process. I've uh, done uh, Uber rides around uh, Google interviewed a lot of them on artificial intelligence and what's coming our way with the massive job loss. So the problem is we have, we have hundreds of thousands of people pouring in the country while we have robotics about to displace 40% of the workers. And that's why you're hearing basic universal income discussed so much out of Silicon Valley because they know they're going to get rid of the jobs, but as globalists and Marxists are going to want to convert them over to people dependent on the state and uh, I, I'm, I'm not for the fight, but I just, I'm talking to a lot of people, and I don't, I don't know where the average conservative is, because President Trump, I'm a, I'm a conservative independent, but I'm 100% behind him, but he can't do it himself. And I don't know, uh, like in Texas, you know, it's close to flipping blue. So, I mean, I lived in Texas seven years. So there you go. That's kind of a summary of who I am. I'm, a, I'm an optimist, but I, I know it's going to take a lot of, a lot of work to turn this ship and, and 
Donald Trump can't do it for us. Yeah, and you know, it's it really is mind blowing the the crisis at the border, and I'm sure you've been listening. You know, what what are your thoughts yes, on sir. that? I mean, there's so much ludicrous things going on. It was just announced today that Democrats want DACA recipients to run for office. I mean, this this is sick stuff. And you being in Desert Storm, you've seen uh, some of these terrible terrorist people affiliated with terrorist organizations that sneak from the Middle East into the loophole uh, caravans in in Mexico. You've seen some of the the craziest shit. And and you know what, what I admire about you? You've actually lived it. The most people that are talking, they've never lived it, so they don't have a goddamn clue. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and here, here's an interesting story. Um, when I was flying into Frankfurt, uh, there was a lady from a dot com that happened to be flying on the plane uh, next to me, and uh, we, my wife and I, had just gone through down the uh, down one of the rivers, the Rhine River, and we we were able to. Uh, this was before they actually had to they because. In the last two to three years, they've had to put up barriers around little, you know, boutiques because of Islam. And at the time we were there, they they had all the Muslim immigrants living outside the cities. And then shortly after we left that December is when all chaos broke loose in Germany. But I asked her, I said, um, "What do you? How do you feel as a German? How do you feel uh, about the your government?" forcing hundreds of thousands of non-assimilated Muslim immigrants outside your German communities. And are you concerned, like in Sweden and Denmark and these other countries where they've tried this, where there's rape and, and murder? And she, she told me this. Now, this, is, this might help you understand the uh, AOS and the Cory Bookers and the reparations people. She looked at me. This is probably a 60-year-old woman. She said, because of what Hitler did, we kind of deserve what we get. And I said, with that logic, I should be in therapy over slavery. And that was the end of our conversation. So yeah. they they do, yeah, the, the, the globalist, the, this, um, this postmodern uh, anti-God, do-it-yourself, you know, culture, global culture that's around, they just don't want to alienate anybody except for people outside the groupthink. So you guys, I listened to you tonight. You are outside the groupthink of Silicon Valley. You're outside the groupthink of the liberals in Dallas or you know around the country or in Israel, for example. Israel actually is a has some pretty liberal uh, aspects to it. That's why not comes over there. So the groupthink is is what establishes. It's what establishes Twitter. And groupthink right now is transgenders have their own flag, but we can't fly the American flag in some buildings. You know what I mean? So it's a a crazy time to be alive. And um, if you look at the UK, if you look at Paris and you look at um, like London and Canada, you can see where the globalists want to take us. That's all you have to do is, What's going on in London where they got rid of guns, but now they have more murder by knife, by stabbings than New York has shootings. So you can see where things are headed. But um, we, the, the problem for me is I've been seeing the colleges pour out Marxists for 30 years, and I've been complaining, and nobody, nobody's really taking me serious. On the universities, every time we have a graduation, a graduation class, 
tens of thousands of more Marxists enter our workforce. And then they are obviously able to vote. And we've been fortunate that they've been kind of too lazy to vote. They would have voted for Bernie, but they didn't vote for Hillary. So you'll see this Beto, which is not his name, O'Rourke. You're going to see mm -hmm. kind of that type of person trying, and Bernie trying to bring in this massive mm -hmm. amount of Marxists to uh, to win the election in 20. Yeah, and and let's you know let's talk about this whole slavery reparation, you know, madness. I mean, it's absolute madness. It, and look at what they're doing. They're putting blacks in a box. They're generalizing every every single black person. Be, you know, they're trying to basically uh, decide and choose how a black person thinks. Uh, and it's racist. There's no doubt about Big this time. is racist. That the whole slavery reparations, the way they want to, let's face it, it's all about control. You know, I've always classified it as they're still – they still have these people on the plantation, but obviously it's a little more subtle. They don't have them on chains, literally, but they, they have them in other ways with, with, uh, with control. So it, it's, a, it's a sick epidemic, and the Democratic Party, I believe, sadly, has never gotten over their slavery weight. I think it's always been like this. They've always been punks. They've always been anti-American. They've always been the ones that have run their mouth and judge when they're the biggest hypocrites on the entire earth. I could go on and on. These people are sick, most of them. I mean, I've met a few nice Democrats, but I'll tell you, today's society is <laughs> not easy to come by. No, no, I agree with you 100%. I mean, look, look, at, uh, look at this, this uh, hypocrisy. They want to, they want to uh, represent the minorities, but then they say that, now this is, what, this is what they tell me. Well, black, poor black people can't get an ID to vote, so we can't have voter ID. And then, and then the black people yeah. can't get good jobs or get through school, so we need to then give them $50,000 each yeah. because they're, they're not able to get up and work as hard as any other minority to to get themselves up to where you have Barack Hussein Obama as a as a you know a at least partial black president. I mean his mother was white. He's you a had, uh, yeah. Yeah, you've had you've got a lot of generals, you've got um you know um, you got um uh Susan, or what was that uh, Condoleezza Rice you, you know this this idea that they can continue to tell this one group Oh, you're 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 you have you're not able to every, work your way out of this. Every election cycle, every election cycle, right. they talk about it. And here's the problem: the reason racism partially is the reason it still exists is because Democrats won't stop talking about it. They want to create a problem so they have a solution. These people okay. are sick people, you know. Well, they okay. Try to say they they don't they have not put out a policy. That's worked since I've been alive. Bill Clinton, you know, he was he. Oh, Bill Clinton was great. J. I actually thought JFK, if you go back and listen to his, what he was up to, was a good Democrat. But when you besides that, Johnson Johnson was a disaster. This uh, war on poverty, twenty-two trillion dollars, nothing's it's changed. The new, except he started the, the what did he start? The the free the is it the the Great Society? Remember that. Yeah, well, you go back to Truman. If you just look at what the progressives have been trying to do, all they do is they they put people under under bondage, and then they say if you don't keep us in office, 
then you shall lose everything that we've worked so hard to get you. And while that's going on in the 70s, where a lot of people from Vietnam were coming over, um, true refugees. I mean, ones that really were, were fleeing violence, and they were able to start donut shops, and I'm not stereotyping them, I just grew up in Iowa, where they would start small businesses, work 24 hours a day, and they built a life in America. But, but for some reason, they will tell the black community, in New York, more black babies are aborted than born. Okay, so so they that was Margaret Sanger's whole plan to her well, look at, look at what the rate was in the six, Look what the rate was in the sixties. It was like thirty percent black abortion. Now it's up to seventy percent or something. That's right. And the, and the uh, in the, in my neighborhood, it's primarily illegal aliens. You've got three to four children each, and that's from like years eight years and younger in the family. So they're. They're having about a they're having about a three to four birth rates, so they're doubling every generation or more. While we're having in California like one point four children for every two adults, so the white population's shrinking. And it is it's and it's actually kind of an eerie it's an eerie takeover assault coming from the borders because uh, when you guys are talking about the invasion. I heard a great interview here on a local station from a retired police officer, border patrol agent, how the cartel actually have busing lines that, that bring people up from Guatemala and El Salvador. There's nothing, there's no spontaneity on people migrating to America. They're systematically bussed up, told, okay, you're gonna go to this point, we're gonna fill up the beds, you're gonna be able to take uh, this kid we found on the corner, say it's your daughter, and you get guaranteed asylum. And now they're talking about recycling children, where if they don't get in that way, down with another family, and they'll try again to get back inside. So the tens of dollars off of setting up a transfer company of people from South America up to our border at $2,500 to $5,000 a head. And the whole purpose is to, to fill up our country and then to get amnesty through. And as soon as that amnesty thing was amnesty would be passed with the Democrats, then our country, in one second, would be done. We would be we would be living yep. in a Sharia law in New York and in Minneapolis. These different various uh, cells in America, you'd have Sharia, you'd have uh, Mexico, and out here, up in the Bay Area, outside of Google, you literally have a city called Cupertino, which is primarily China. You've got uh, Sunnyvale, which would be India. They're non-assimilated large groups of H-1B work visas that then get chain migration. And in California is you people are fleeing, but wealthy liberals are moving in. And so you have a large group of illegal aliens and you have a bunch of rich liberals. And the average person's trying to get out of here. So that's kind of California in a nutshell. And California will go bankrupt in the future. We have about one and a half trillion dollars in unfunded liabilities in our pensions, and we don't have the money. And I'll, and I'll tell you, I can relate to the whole illegal alien thing. You know, I, I live here in Arizona, um, but I do want to go oh, to yeah. Kevin. Kevin, I know, Kevin, I know you have uh, some thoughts. Go ahead, Kevin. Well, I got to really thank your guest. He's speaking my kind of language, and I'm very thankful that he's on the show right now. Um, very important points all the way through, and it is very true that it is absolutely not a organic movement. Uh, this whole border situation of uh, half a million over the past three months of immigrants coming into our country. Uh, we've known about this for, I think, uh, a decade or so. Uh, if anyone's into 
these uh, international agreements by the UN and other groups like the uh, Agenda 21, they say that all the Western nations need to be uh, flooded with immigrants and have globalist policies inserted all throughout in every institution and and every way to harm our families, our communities, our, especially I think our churches and our ability to get uh, jobs as regular citizens are being replaced by these uh, cheaper labor uh, worker units. And there's a welfare system that's protecting them and it's absolutely destroying the families. And this just goes on and on about how, how terrible it is. And, uh, in Europe, it's called the clergy plan, it's, and uh, there's many names for it other places, but it's absolutely orchestrated by these international cliques that are trying to take down our, our Western values and our families and replace us, and it's absolutely horrible. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, well said. Um, I'm going to go to – let me go to uh, Daryl. Go ahead, Daryl. I know you have some thoughts. Go ahead, Daryl. Yeah, so I first off, I want to thank your guest for his service um, to the country and obviously his very insightful thoughts. I think that we're all very much of the same mind. Uh, we've arrived at a, the conversation that we tend to arrive at here. We talk about Texas turning blue in the future and the reality of the trends that are in place na- on a national scale and really on a civilizational scale uh, being, you know, this is and this is why I think some people have this. Why, why is the, the left is becoming unhinged and, and yes, they're becoming. They, they, I mean, they've been unhinged, but they're not. They're not turning away from it, right? Because they'll they'll take an election in the short. They'll say, you know what? All right, Trump. I mean, well, maybe they won't accept it, but the reality is, okay, Trump beat them. Trump is the president, but you're not going to see them course correct because they're continuing to play for the future and they're looking at the numbers and they're they're basically counting down the days to where their supermajority becomes overwhelming to the American populace. And, you know, the reality is is that the traditional conservative platform, as well-meaning as it is, is no longer sufficient to defend against the, the liberal threat. Uh, it, is, it is not enough at this point in time. And, you know, rather than go into accelerationist conversations, which, you know, I, I prefer not to engage in, I do offer the the suggestion that we can actually do some radical things through policy, but it takes a radical reimagining of, of what those policies look like. When we look at all of these things that the left has done to Western nations, I mean, it, it is really remarkable. If you had told people in 1964 that we would be having a conversation about white genocide, you know, in 2019, 50 years later, they would have told you that was absolutely absurd. But this has all been achieved. And not only has it all been achieved, it's been achieved without really a single shot being fired. Uh, This has all been brought about by either neglectful or directly nefarious policy. And the conservative policy must be – must must react to that. And what we're having, we have rampant social chaos, and there's a frustration. The the energy, the palpable frustration on the right is actually shared by the left. The leftists are actually equally frustrated, and they don't really understand why. But the reason why is because there's no structure, and it's a bunch of children running around that don't know where they came from and where they're going, and they're very upset. And this is why we've seen the left moving further and further into authority, right? a sort of politically correct form of fascism or, or satanic theocracy, as I've called it. Uh, so, so you actually you, you see that, and that this is the elections – I think, I think Eric used the term sort of a peaceful civil war 
or a or a sort of a quiet, you know, a nonviolent civil war. I think that's that's exactly correct. That the stakes of the elections become increasingly high, and the conservative movement has to rise to meet the threat of the left. And in order to do that, we have to fundamentally transform into a party and a movement that is capable of actually taking meaningful steps to basically take the weapons away from from the kids. You know, we have to stop thinking about okay, let's just lower the taxes and let's just go back to the Constitution. We need to just sort of how how are we going to get these weapons out of these perverts' hands? How are we going to pry these people out of the academic institutions? How are we going to pry them out of our television and get them to stop insulting us on every channel except Fox News? Because we've tried, like, the, you know, walk away, stop going to their movies. It, it, it's a religion to them, right? I mean, Saturday Night Live's ratings have been going downhill for 10-plus years, and it directly correlates to the fact that it's just fundamentally not funny anymore. They don't even know how to do impersonations. They don't even have a cast of people that can properly impersonate politicians. Yeah. And, you know, the ratings are going down the tubes, but they're doubling down. They double down on everything because this is their religion. This is their obsession, and everything is secondary to that. So the conservative movement has to look at this reality. Texas is going to be purple. Texas is going to be blue. In it's, it's a matter of time. Right? If the border was up yesterday, maybe it's 15 years. If it goes up tomorrow, maybe it's 20 years. And, and again, the, the, the choice to the conservative movement is what do you do with that? And then you have the people, the establishment part of the party, they, they, they acknowledge they're resigned to that fate, right? And they want to sort of just transact for a seat at the table. They want to remain relevant by selling out their base. And you see how that, how that strategy manifests. That's exactly what's happened in California. And that's not a winning strategy. It's, 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 first off, it's, it's, it's morally bankrupt, but it also doesn't work. Okay, people respond to leadership. You don't lead the country by being the light version of the other party. You have to offer strong leadership in the opposite direction. And the good thing is leadership is an inherently patriarchal masculine trait. And as the left races to become this feminist utopia – we see with a true alpha male, and there's a strength in that. There's a lesson in that, that this guy, this alpha, took out 18 other qualified people, right, in an age where everybody is racing to become as, as pro-feminist and, and pro-diverse as possible. When we actually just stand up for who we are, we're actually capable of doing very powerful things. But the mindset has to change. And the reality is what we have to do is rather than transact for a future – where whites are a minority in Texas, and figuring out how a Republican Party would maintain relevancy in that new state, what we have to do is we have to think about how are we going to peacefully prevent that from occurring. And it's, it's, not, an easy, it's not an easy problem to figure out, okay, especially when you, take, when, you, when you confine yourself to doing so in a peaceful manner. But again, the silver lining, the left turned a 90% white country into a verge of white minority country in 50 years through peaceful policy. And the good news is, is that they've established all of the precedents that are necessary from a policy perspective, right, through all of the social engineering that they've applied to this nation over the past 50 or 60 years. It's all there on the books. You know, we've been choosing our immigrants based on them undermining our national fabric. The president is there for us to say we want to choose immigrants that are actually going to reinforce 
our national identity. So that would be sort of uh, the, the way forward is that the political movement has to almost directly mirror the left rather than just trying to sort of uh, slow them down on, on technicality. Well, well said, Daryl. Well said. Very well said. Uh, I do want to get other people's thoughts, but I want to play a quick clip. While, while we were freshly talking about slavery, slavery reparations, here's the doofus Beto a couple days ago with Reverend Al Sharpton. Here we go. Uh, one, six. Your fellow Texan, Sheila Jackson Lee, has yes, proposed yes. a commission to study reparations. If that passes and you are president of the United States, would you sign that bill? Yes. I, I had a chance to, to speak with and just listen to and learn from Brian Stevenson in Montgomery, Alabama, and, and learn from his work on uh, working with the community to build a memorial to justice and to peace. And he said, foundational to reparations is the word repair. Foundational to repair is the truth. And until all Americans understand that civil rights are not just those victories that I began with at the outset of my comments, but the injustices that have been visited and continue to be visited on people, we will never get the change that we need to live up to the promise of this country. So absolutely, I would sign that into law. Jesus, God help us. Um, I do want to go to Mike Peters in New York. Mike Peters, go ahead. Well, I agree with what the other the other gentleman was saying. Putting Beto and his dreamland aside for a second um, about them, in a way, weaponizing what they've done is they've taken control of the podium, the microphone, and it's time we take away, in my words, take away not the weapon, but take away the microphone. From, get them away from the podium so that we don't hear them on the television and we don't hear them anymore. Um, and I, I think a, a, a great way to do that, like in this case, with the migrants that are coming over, these illegal aliens that are coming over in mass, is go after the money, and which would stop them. That People Without Borders, that group that's based up in Chicago, I did some background. You can easily do it on the Internet to take a look at where their funding comes from. And it comes back to foundations, the Joyce Foundation, Soros groups, all of this, that are funding this. Murder it. Cut them off. Cut them off at the knees. Stop the money and the policies and the games will stop. And I've said it before. The IRS should go into these foundations. They're not supposed to be doing anything political. And start your non, your nonprofit, act like it. No more political bullshit. And, and they should stop it. And I, I don't understand why Trump isn't going after that money because that would end a lot of it. I hear you. I hear you. Um, let's go to Hugh. IQ, go ahead, buddy. Well, I'm listening to it. Uh, this reparation, did anybody ask the black people who want reparation, why should anybody in the 21st century, why should any American in the 21st century who has never had a slave, not even his father had a slave, should pay reparation? After all, several twi- is it 20 to $100 billion were spent on black people since 1960. Am I right? Why it's are qu- they it's quite a bit. I don't know the exact amount, but it's quite a bit. Why are they asking for reparations from Americans? Why not are they asking it from the Arabs and the Muslims who brought them to America, sold them to the Americans? Everybody forgets, and nobody mentions this, 
Not a single white American or European went into Africa to take black Africans out. Not one. It was Arabs, Muslims, and black Muslims who slaughtered 140 million Africans so that 14 million would be sold to the Americas. Only 5% of them ended up in what you call the USA today. Why isn't anybody mentioning these things? Why aren't they going after the Muslims and the Arabs who brought, who destroyed them from Africa? Why are they talking about the white people? Had it not been for, for the white people, the same blacks could have been castrated or murdered or raped by the Arabs in Africa. Nobody mentions this. Why? Why are the white people in America on the defensive? Why? Why are you feeling guilty? I'm asking the question. It's a rhetorical question. We keep talking and talking and talking, but nobody's doing any action. The action doesn't have to be physical. The action has to be intellectual, the way I'm talking. Ask our chaplain, where did his grandparents or previous parents come from? Who sold them to the white people? The white people kept them alive because they needed them to continue to do work. It was white people who stopped slavery around the whole of the world. Nobody mentions that. It was white people. The Arabs and the Muslims until today are still using slavery in Libya and Mauritania. Yeah. So why yeah, are, yeah, why are yeah, you they don't guys, talk I do you're right. They don't the talk about the hundreds They don't talk about the hundreds of slaves in Libya that are getting bought. You're absolutely right. So why isn't why aren't you mentioning it? Why isn't anybody standing to Ilhan Omar, the Muslim one in the Congress or Rashida Tlaib? Ask her a simple question, very simple question. Why are you wearing the hijab? She will tell you it's in her religion. Well, if it's in her religion, her religion also mandates she will never be a loyal citizen, neither to the Constitution of America, nor to the American people, because the American people are infidels. They're not Muslim. Kufar. Not a single American out of 338 million stood up to say that. Why? Why I am an outsider looking in, I ask these questions. I, you know, sorry, Rory, I want answers, but nobody seems to have an answer. Nobody. Well, well here, here's, the, here's the thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. That's enough. Well, no, I was going to let you finish, and then I had something to say, but go ahead. go ahead. I want you to finish. Look, everything to do with Islam, everything to do with the border is simple. It's logical. But you already understand that the mindset of the Democrat Party is anti-American, has always been anti-American. Mm-hmm. It has been to undermine the United States of America. They've always done that. No question. Not all of them. True. But in the last, since Obama, the United States has gone down in a disgusting manner. He created all the divisions that you have today. Obama. As I said it many times on your show, in eight years, Obama may cause more destruction in America, social, economic, racial, than the Soviet Union was able to do in 70 years. It's all Obama, a Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. But and, you know what you, you've got to stand up, not shout and scream, but ask the relevant question, point out the truth. 
Nobody is doing it. Nobody. Back to you, sir. You know what I've said, IQ, and you're absolutely right. I've said that the way Obama divided this country, it was the worst since it was it was worse than the sixties, the civil rights era. I mean, he he took us back to that point, and even even made it worse than that point. It, it, it's sad, and it's really scary. Um, Bill, I wanna I wanna go to you, Bill. Bill, go ahead in Texas, Bill. Yeah, well, you know, part of what we're seeing across this country is, is a way to they're they're changing the the cultural uh, dy- makeup of this country into no culture. Part of of identity politics is to segregate groups so that you can control them easier and better. It's easier to con- to hold discipline over a squad than it is a battalion. That way they can micromanage these groups and direct them at one enemy, and that enemy is the, the middle-class working American, which they have to replace because of, like, like one of the other guests was talking about, automation and jobs, and they have to have a passive subservient workforce and that's not your typical white conservative thinking person. We we rebel against those kind of things, and we don't go along. And they've they've learned through the years that if you look at the democratic cities, that they've been controlled for 50, 80, 100 years that are are literally plantations, like you were talking about. So they 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 segregate these groups so that the American culture is gone, and it's replaced with no culture. And they control these groups so they can point them and direct them at a specific enemy. And you have this policy that, that you know the LGBTQ community has th- this thing that they want, and the black community has this that they want, and the, the you know the gay or the the women's right. So, so they they all are are coming at you at a different direction, but they're all linked and focused at one one target. And and like I said, that's the white middle class working and it's a it's it's and that's part of why they're bringing these people in and changing the culture because the attack is to remove us from the equation completely so that you have the have and have nots that are doing meaningless you know trivial unfulfilling jobs but are happy about it because of where they came from it's so much worse and then eventually over over time the the normal American and the normal American culture is eradicated. Yeah, well well said. I, I want to, Eric. I want to let you respond, Eric, and then I, I'm going to go to a quick commercial. Then we're going to come back and talk about more things. But go ahead, Eric. I think he hit it right. He hit it head on right there. The, the purpose of this globalist attack on us is to get us separated by non-assimilated race and um, and even genders, and to the point that we can be controlled because we won't be united. I think I think the solution for us is is pretty radical. So, um, first of all, Title Eight of the Code, Section thirteen twenty four, basically says anybody in America that that aids and abets, helps, directs, recruits anybody into the country illegally should go to jail. So, I think the Department of Justice should just start rounding up governors, mayors, anybody that's asking their state to issue driver's license to illegal aliens that helps them get a job, that helps them to stay in the country. And then we need to close the Department of Education, and we need to rewrite all immigration laws, even maybe ending visas temporarily until we can figure out who's in the country. It, it is going to take a radical stop-the-train use of being racist, anti-immigrants, you know, anti-Muslim, you know, just all the isms. If, if, if we as, as Americans don't 
take the abuse of isms for a couple of years and fix the train, then we can't just, like a, 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 someone said earlier, we can't just kind of do this. We can't yeah. just tinker. It has to be no, uh, guess what? No visas and no asylum, for example, asylum laws have to be rewritten. The only way you can apply for asylum in America should be at a consulate or an embassy in another country. And not when you get to our border, then we decide, then it's too late. So we just have, we have to do some radical things if we're going to try to, to save the America that we all love. You're, Eric, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, you know, go, going back, I do have to take a commercial here in a second, but I do want to say, you know, Bernie Sanders announced the other day that he wants convicted felons to have the right to vote. I mean, this, this goes all into them using the black community for political gain. This sort of stuff is disgusting. And now we have people constantly blaming white people for, for the problems in America. I mean, this is just sick stuff. And, and all the liberals are apologizing for their white privilege. I, this, I can't even believe what I'm seeing. This, this is like the Twilight Zone. This is like a, an alternate universe. Eric? Well, they also want 16-year-olds to be able to vote, even though psychologists in the psycho, you know, the, the psychotesting, the brains don't stop forming to the 20s. So they want 16-year-olds to vote, but they don't want you to be able to buy a gun or smoke until you're 21. So you can, you know, you can't, you can't drink until you're 18, but you should be able to vote to decide what happens to our, our future. But the, the whole thing is, it's control. So they, they don't have any policies. Everything they've tried has failed. Obamacare failed. Our debt, look at the $22 trillion in debts, and we've spent $22 trillion on Johnson's fighting poverty. If we hadn't been since the 60s, we'd have no debts. And we probably would be in the same position because let's build, uh, like you said, plantations into government housing inside of Chicago that's now used for dealing drugs out of. So the reality is, is we have to say, you know what? And this is where Obama ruined the term hope. But as Christians, as people that, that have, have grew up under Reagan and back in the 70s and saw the recovery coming out of Jimmy Carter, hope is is. The, the Declaration of Independence, everyone's entitled to opportunity. MLK Jr. said, I want my kids where they don't. It's not skin color. It's character. But now fake Reverend Sharpton going, if we pass the reparations thing, Beto, which is not your name, Robert Irish O'Rourke, would you vote for it? Yeah. Yeah, I talked to some guy, and he kind of said something smart, so I would vote for it. Well, yeah, but you also were drunk driving and you took off and your dad got you out of jail and that's a whole other issue. So it, it's, it's a point where we have to reset America and allow ourselves to be called racist, be called you know, Islamophobic, homophobic. We, we have to allow that if we want to save our country. We're not going to be liked in the rebuilding and this making America great again. We're not going to be liked by half the country and we just need to accept it. Right. You're absolutely right. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial, and we'll be right back on the Rory Sodder Show. Where can you find a burger inspired by flavors from near and far that mixes the smoky with the sass of the South? Combines the sweetness of summer with the tang of the country. For savory, sizzling, unexpected flavors. Well... 
You can find it at McDonald's. The new Bacon Smokehouse Burger. It's the newest flavor of the signature crafted recipes by McDonald's. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the -the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back. The Rory Sodder Show, listened to in 22 different countries on over 60 online platforms. And everybody, don't forget, if you missed past episodes, you missed 4-7 breaking news coverage, visit our new media site, thenexgenusa.com. And don't forget, like I said earlier, In the coming months, we will be having many notable names who will be having their own show on our new network. So we're very excited about that. Uh, I really want to get into this whole witch hunt with, with the Democrats. You know, now that the Russian collusion didn't go in their favor, you know, they're, they're going all over the place. They're going into, and I've said this on the show before, we've talked about this, but it just keeps coming up because they won't stop. They're going into Trump's finances. They're going into his past business dealings, transactions, uh, his, what his kids have done. Um, they're go, they want to look at Fox News' editorial department now. I'm not kidding. The Congress wants to look at Fox News' editorial uh, department and, and see – the, oh, the, they, uh, they want to see the editorial decisions. So – it's interesting and hilarious how these left-wing, you know, screwballs want to, want to open their mouth when they're the, they're the king of fake news on the left, but they have the nerve, the one, of very, uh, the one of very few outlets that conservatives have, Fox News, to go after that. You know, the reason – and liberals always try to be, a, be smart and be snarky. Uh, and they make the kind of statement, oh, where'd you get that, Fox News? The only reason liberals don't like Fox News is because Fox News is honest. They're too used to hearing what they want to hear on uh, CNN and MSNBC. Let's face the facts. These people cannot accept the truth. And, and, they, and it's so sad and pathetic that the Mueller conclusion didn't work out to what they wanted. And now they have to go and say Mueller's a liar. 
and they're criticizing him now. We all remember what it was at first. It's Mueller time. Mueller's going to save the day. Now he's their enemy because he couldn't help them. We know that. The Democrats are users, and, and they're subpoena. They're going to subpoena him. I mean, it doesn't end, guys. Like, it's on and on and on. I, I, I just, like, no other president has gotten this much harassment ever. This is an all-time new level uh, of presidential disrespect and harassment. Uh, you know, the way they treat Trump, there's no words to describe it. except I mean, every, every nasty word, disgraceful, despicable, absurd, whatever you want to name it. Uh, this is just inhumane, the way they treat him. Um, I do want to play a quick, uh, a quick clip from Giuliani uh, calling out the Dems on this witch hunt and uh, total fishing expedition of, uh, you know, trying to uh, accuse Trump of all these different things. Let's play it. One eight. Now, also remember, as Democrats fuel even more baseless tinfoil hat conspiracy theories, this time a cover up by the attorney general Barr. Look at this law. It's the obstruction law, 18 U.S.C. 1505. Look at the language. It requires intent. Any obstruction case hinges on whether someone was corruptly trying to influence the investigation. I think that's like if you have subpoenaed emails, the intent to delete them, clean out your hard drive with bleach bit, bust up your devices with hammers, and take out SIM cards. That might show intent. Joining us now to explain all this is the attorney for the president, former mayor, New York City, Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Mayor, a nine-month FBI, they concluded, no, they're there. We had the House Intel Committee, no collusion. Bipartisan Senate Committee, no collusion. Attorney General Barr quoted Robert Mueller, no collusion. Now they've moved on to this. Uh, let's talk about the law that I just mentioned. Well, it's absolutely disgraceful, Sean. I mean, the reality, the reality is that to obstruct justice, you have to threaten, you have to impede, you have to get in the way of somebody. Uh, let, let, let's, let's go back to the one that uh, uh, Weinstein and all of his uh, angry Democrats used to push, which is when uh, the president allegedly said, the president said this conversation never took place. He said to Flynn, you know, uh, I hope... You, you can see fit to drop this or not pursue this. First of all, you don't have obstruction by hope. You have obstruction by coercion, threat. I'll break your legs. I'll take your food away or I'll, I'll kidnap your children. I prosecuted a lot of obstruction cases. Nobody ever started a, a, an obstruction sentence with I hope. And nobody ever did obstruction by putting out a legal memo uh, for the whole world to see. And we're going to find out in a week or two how accurate Bill Barr's uh, summary was. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be 100% accurate. Bill Barr is a great lawyer, and he is an extraordinarily honorable man. I can't say that for the congressmen who are making all these wild, crazy, insane threats. Their claim of obstruction against the Attorney General of the United States is no better than the two-year claim of obstruction by the angry Democrats that uh, tried to claim the president was obstructing. The president didn't obstruct anything. And the best evidence of that is they completed their darn investigation. How the heck did it get obstructed? Nothing well, was and, obstructed. 
And, and by the way, it was very clear in the attorney general's letter that both he and Rod Rosenstein, who appointed the special counsel, decided very quickly without any consideration of the Justice Department rule about whether or whether or not you can indict a sitting president. But more importantly, it was being discussed the whole time. And there's also beyond intent, there's no crime. So the president saying, I hope <laughs> Flynn doesn't go to jail after serving his country or firing Comey, which he had a right to do, or saying it's a witch hunt is not. Nobody, nobody was obstructed. This would be the obstruction case uh, to end all obstruction cases. In other words, somebody obstructed to obstruct an investigation of a non-crime that he didn't commit, that he was innocent of, and then it turned out he didn't obstruct, that they interviewed 500 witnesses, got 1.4 million documents, got every wish fulfilled, and engaged in some practices that are truly horrendous, like raids in the middle of the night, bringing CNN in to, to photograph uh, raiding Stone's house, for example. Leaking now. I mean, everybody misses the real point here. The real wrongdoing are the prosecutors who just leaked. I thought Mueller didn't leak. Ha! Yeah, you believe point. that one, and I'll sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. Let me change topics for a second. In a few days, there's an election in Israel. Both of us have been friends with Prime Minister Netanyahu for a long time. You now have this crazy opponent, Benny Gantz is his name, who actually is pushing, he's saying to the people of Israel, Oh, Putin is trying to help Bibi. Trump is trying to help Bibi. And without any evidence whatsoever, and I'm thinking, if there's one guy that has had moral clarity and been a Churchillian figure, understanding the moral imperatives of our time, it's Prime Minister Netanyahu on <laughs> Golan, on Jerusalem, etc. Well, maybe there's a consistency here. What the president did was to help Israel, you know, twice, with the embassy and then with Golan and many other things. The president had to reverse the betrayal of Israel by Obama. And right. so, I mean, the president has been a great president for Israel. But then also he comes after Obama, who was the worst president for Israel. It's the so best relationship we've Israel. ever had. It just so happens that in helping Israel, he helps the prime minister. But, but yeah. what are you supposed to do, not help Israel? It was, this has been the best relationship between uh, Jerusalem, now be in the cap recognized capital, Golan Heights for protection, I hope the people of Israel understand this I hope is the they best understand it's how ever been. They've also developed a real good alliance with uh, the Arab countries around them yeah. so that they, they pose now a real substantial de defense to Iran. All right. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank good you. to see you. So there you have it, guys. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, this is just common knowledge, and it's a fact. I mean, everybody knows this, obviously. The Democrats never cared whether Trump colluded with Russia. All they cared about is getting him out of office and, and framing him for whatever possible, for whatever they can, whatever they can, and what, whatever is possible. You know, they, they, they don't care about going to dirty extremes or going to nasty levels to destroy him. That's their whole objective. Um, I want to get, uh, let's go to Eric. Eric, I want your thoughts, Eric. Go ahead. Well, it's interesting you talk, you're um, bringing that up because, and, and you guys have, I'm sure, had many conversations about this, but it's, it's really Saul Alinsky's playbook of how yep. you deal with yep. the enemy, as he called them, opponents or enemies. So you destroy them. You destroy their character. You try to uh, isolate them on things they don't know a lot about, and then you try to only talk about things that you think you know a lot about. So the reason why the, the left has no credibility is that when they, when they decide uh, the president will be impeached, every 
newscast. Every politician on the left says exactly the same scripts that day. It's fully scripted on the left. And like one of your uh, uh, guests said earlier, the thing that makes the left dangerous is that they are, they consolidate and they keep pushing. If you think about it, if you go back in the 60s, right, abortion was illegal, they were able to get abortion legal. If prayer in school was legal, they were able to get God out, prayer out. Then they were, the homosexuality was a mental illness and now it's normal and people are married. Transgenderism was like cross-dressing and silly and now all of a sudden they have their own flag. So they keep pushing and we keep dividing with the rhinos and then the, the populists and the nationalists. And if we, if we don't coalesce, because there is no obstruction, the president cannot obstruct justice when he's the boss. So he, you, he, he cannot obstruct justice when he fired Comey because he was the boss of Comey. So in the whole time they've been saying, this is a witch hunt, this is not, there's nothing here, but because President an idea real quick on this, and then I don't want to take up a lot, too much time. Um, I was in the, uh, I mentioned I was up around Google, and I, I picked up a 20-year-old girl from Germany and an Uber ride. And, uh, you know, she had a German accent, and I said, what brings you to the United States? She said, I'm from a German think tank, a globalist think tank out of Germany, out of Berlin. And I'm here to interview people in California to find out why in the world did you go back to nationalism? How in the world did you vote in President Trump? The, the globalists are dumbfounded over in Europe. The, Brit, England, who actually has a lot to do with before the dossier, they set up, they were actually before the dossier was even created, trying to get some people working in the Trump campaign, well, six months before, Papadopoulos, whatever his name is. But they, the, the, England with the M5, MI6, were trying to make sure that this anti-globalist named Donald Trump did not become president of the United States because NATO is what the UK relies on for its defense and they don't want to pay for it. So th there is no obstruction case. They know there's no obstruction case, but now, and you know, we never know, Ginsburg, they may be keeping her alive for another eight, 10 months because they don't, they don't try to replace a Supreme Court justice during an election year. So the whole bet is that President Trump will not get reelected. There's voter, they're blocking all voter ID laws. They're trying to rush in as many illegal aliens to try to confuse the system. And in the end, they're hoping to flip Texas. Um, there's 1 million felons that can now vote in Florida that could not in 2018. So they're trying to get the Gillum, who ran for governors, trying to get those, as many as those felons who just got out of jail and got their voting rights restored. They're doing all they can to get felons to be the difference in flipping Florida in 20. So Florida and Texas are in trouble and they're betting on it. They're betting on it big time in 20. No, I, I hear you. I, I agree. Uh, let's go to Kevin. Kevin, go ahead. Oh, yes, you're definitely right, Eric. And uh, as we see with the news right now, uh, pencil neck Adam Schiff is still saying there is ample evidence that the Trump is colluding with Russia, and all the news outlets are reporting just that kind of story. But where's the evidence then? Why can't they produce it? Yet everyone that is uh, following these news outlets are saying, oh, man, Trump is so bad. He's he the Russians and everything, and we got to take him down. It's ridiculous. So we're faced with a huge dilemma here that the biggest businesses in, in the world, we're talking 
Google, Apple, Amazon, etc., that are pushing these news narratives and creating this this false whole story saying that uh, Trump is doing these things that he's clearly not in order to make sure that he doesn't win the next election and also painting us regular Republicans that are trying to save, you know, the national sovereignty of our country, uh, paint us as some sort of uh, KKK, Hitlerian, uh, you know, Russian colluding monsters when it's absolutely not even remotely the case. And so, yeah, we do have a big problem with especially our, our voting uh, manipulation and having all these illegals and all these uh, felons being able to, to vote, it's uh, a huge problem because in no sane society would anyone let that happen. It, let's forget about Russian collusion. Uh, Russians are not altering our election. It's all these foreign illegals, et cetera, that are messing with our elections and the elites that are making sure that that happens. So it's, it's a ginormous problem. And uh, I really hope that Congress or Trump or someone is able to make sure that, hey, you know, you, you can't do this. We're, we're making sure only like law-abiding Americans are able to vote. Yeah, yeah, very well, very well said. Um, Bill, go ahead. Well, they set this narrative up for, from the very start. I mean, it wasn't yeah. that big of a deal. They didn't that, have any you know, sufficient they, evidence. There wasn't any legitimate cause. They went to get this warrant to spy on the president with basically just because they wanted to to prevent him from winning. Well, sure, and and it, it goes back to what IQ said. You have 47% of the population that's brainwashed by these people, so facts no longer matter. You just get it's a matter of programming them to say, the, and that's what they're doing. Schiff is setting this up, and they set it up from the beginning because what Schiff's going to say is, I'm the head of this committee, and I can see these things, and you can't. It's redacted, and every one of these redacted lines says Trump did it. And that's what I'm telling you, and you need to believe me, and 47% of them are going to believe them, and 47% are not going to believe them. So that leaves that 6% that IQ was talking about, and you're going to have half of those that lean one way and half of those that leave the other way. So it really breaks down into maybe 1% deciding the, the fate of the nation, and that's why Democrats aren't confident in that and want to change the electoral college. The, the Electoral College, the last election, worked exactly exactly like the Founding Fathers wrote it out and exactly what they envisioned in their minds for it to be. Yeah, yeah. very, very well said. I, I want to go to Daryl. Daryl, uh, uh, go ahead, Daryl. Yeah, so a lot of, lot of uh, great topics being discussed here. I, think, I guess I'll go from the top. You know, I do want to – I think you made a great point about Fox News and them going after Fox News and how sort of absurd that is. The reality is, is the reason why Fox News clobbers everybody else is because they made a business decision to serve the half of the country that is uh, basically flipped the bird by every other channel on, P- on television. That's why they clobber everybody else. That's, you look at they get 40 45%, and then the other 15 called news networks can hash out the other half of the pie. And, uh, you know, when, this is a great example. We talk about where the left gets caught with their hand in the cookie jar. And I think that when, when they do, when they talk about investigating Fox News, they, they give us, I think, an opening again to, to start going after them and to start talking yep. once again about investigating mainstream media and i mean really let's go back just to that debate let's go back to that first debate i i remember just watching it in real time and i was appalled in real time 
by the disparity of the questions. It was a softball to Hillary, and then it was basically a back to the groin to Trump, right? And then, and then we found out after the fact that not only was that the case, but we found out that actually she was given the questions in advance, okay? That is a major influence of an election when you have three primetime presidential debates and you have a commission whose job it is is to establish a fair playing field. And it's not enough for them that they get to choose a moderator that is so blatantly leftist and is so blatantly antagonistic. I mean, you know, Lester Holt was behaving as though he was like some time traveler from a biracial future coming back in time to prevent Donald Trump from being <laughs> elected president, right? I mean, like, really, I mean, you go back and watch that debate. I mean, I wrote about it at the time, and I didn't even know that to add insult to injury, she was actually prepped for those questions. So, I mean, that is a major attempt to influence an election. And, you know, you have this so-called presidential debate commission, so-called bipartisan commission. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then you have and you have CNN colluding with them, working in conjunction directly with the Democratic. That needs to be investigated. So they want to talk about investigating Fox News. Let's go. Let's talk about that. They want to talk about lowering the voting age to 16. And I've got news for your audience. OK, don't hide behind the Electoral College before Trump. The, the consensus was that the Electoral College was pretty much rigged against Republicans. The truth is, is that uh, both the popular vote and the Electoral College uh, really favor Democrats. OK, they happen to not win this time on the Electoral College. So now they're sort of fixating on removing that. But, but really, we have to be reacting, not just saying, no, don't take away our electoral college. No, don't lower the voting age to 16. No, don't, you know, um, bus ride people out of the prisons directly to the polls. No, why don't we actually propose our counter policies to the election and what our concerns are? Our concerns are that we have that 47% of the population, a very large percentage of that 47% uh, doesn't pay their way. And, and they have the right to vote for more freebies. So, so why don't we start talking about restricting voting rights to net contributors? And why don't we start talking about uh, instituting civil exams about citizenry before granting someone the right to vote? So we have to, again, be countering their policies with, uh, you know, proactive because we have serious concerns with the electoral process. The process has been rigged and the demographic and the demographic shifts and the immigration is the huge driver of that. Um, but I, I don't think that it's that we should just be looking at, oh, let's just hold this thing together. We need to be crafting our own policies because the future is going to be increasingly difficult for us to to uh, find success in. And on the topic of reparations, I do want to make a, a, an important point. Um, that, you know, none of these equality movements ever were asked to define endpoints. And an equality movement that fails to define endpoints is by nature, it is no longer an equality movement. It is, in fact, a supremacy movement, right? I mean, we now have women, you know, women are, are basically outnumber men in, in colleges two to one. And yet they're still uh, getting scholarships and they're still getting preferential treatment on, a, on applications. You see that. That basically, if there's any asymmetry that favors whites or favors men, that has to be attacked. But then you have all these other asymmetries that don't favor them, and those get expanded. So you have a simultaneous expansion of female privilege 
black privilege, Hispanic privilege, gay privilege, etc. And and let's talk also about about privilege. This this sort of faulty premise that you know there's a male privilege, and and this is like such a predominant theme in the entertainment industry. Is about all everything has been made to fit through the lens of you know of of, of male privilege. I mean the, the Titanic. The Titanic is actually the ultimate expression of actual female privilege, which is that in a chivalrous society, when a boat goes down, the men stay on the ship to make sure that all the the women get on the boats after the children, right? And yet even in that, they still have to have a narrative about how there's the oppressive uh, patriarchal energy that's pushing Rose and her family, you know, as she tightens the corset around her. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's beyond. And, and, and without these endpoints in place, what we now have is we have a, a, a growing list. And now you add men that, you know, don't know which restroom to use. This is a new group and they keep creating <laughs> groups. And yeah. And, and we have these, no, we, again, you see this, no defined endpoints. So what, where does the reparations end? I mean, let's actually, let's talk about this. Let's theoretically. Okay. So how much money do I owe you? What is the amount? Do I, it, when does it end? You know, when, when whites are 40% of the population and, you know, the, the sort of the flyover country is completely hollowed out economically. Right. Is, is it sufficient right. at that point in time? There's no end points. And what you're finding right now is that everything has been weaponized specifically against the traditional white Christian base. And, and now this so-called group of privilege is actually the one unique group that is, uh, you know, sort of like animal farm. Uh, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. And the, yep. the left has certainly provided ample privilege to everyone mm-hmm. except whites. And, and you have these creations of these bills to specifically yep. protect this group or specifically protect that group. You don't need that. You just apply a standard set of sort of, Things that you can and cannot fire a person for, you know, you cannot fire a person without reasonable cause, and that covers everybody. But when you uniquely create bills for everybody except one group, it very quickly turns from a situation where it becomes very obvious that you have one glaring group that has privileges and one that doesn't, and the left has very shrewdly aligned it so that all of the groups that are privileged happen to be the groups that vote for them. And the one group that doesn't vote for them is the one group that's uh, left out of the line. So uh, that group now is feeling cornered, and now they're right. demanding a proper defense from you know their de facto right. party, which is what the Republican Party is. It's a de facto party because they're the party that seems yep. to hate them less than the Democrats. So they don't have a choice, yep. and they're getting frustrated, and they're and they're pushing forward on that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. We're very well said. Uh, IQ, go ahead, IQ. We are again and again all talking. We agree with each other. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to say that. It sounds more like an echo chamber. We agree with each other. But as the gentleman said, unless the Republicans go for the jugular, literally, you're not going to solve the problem. He said, and he was right, the Democrats are putting their point of view. Counter them. But no one is countering them. What reparations? Why should any American pay reparations? The history of, of the black people starts from Africa, and the ones who brought them to the, to the West and sold them to the West were Arabs and Muslims. 
as I said, I'm not, I'm not repeating myself. And if I am repeating myself, it's because it's frustrating how simple the facts are and nobody mentions them. Nobody. Reparations, why? Why give them uh, reparations to the American Indians, I mean, uh, the Native Americans? Uh, it was their land in the first place. So then the Mexicans would want also reparations. They want California back and Arizona and uh, what, well, where are we getting? The tragedy today in America, you are more divided than ever before in your history. Never in your history have you been more divided. You're divided culturally. You're divided racially. You are divided economically. You're divided. And who created it again and again and again? We go back to Obama. But it's not an excuse anymore. You have to be active. You have to stand up. You, I mean, those who are saying they are against the Democrats. Democrats are dead, brain dead. They have one issue, as everybody has agreed, is the destruction of America. That's, we know that. But talking about it will not solve the problem. The only way to address it is to physically do something about it. Physically, it's got to be done. But, you know, white people today are on the defensive. Why are you on the defensive? Yeah. Who created Western civilization? Tell me, please. It's a rhetorical question. It's not a rhetorical question. It's a factual question. Who created Western civilization? It wasn't Indians. It wasn't Arabs. It wasn't Muslims. It wasn't Chinese. It was European. Who were the Europeans? White. I'm not defending one against the other. I'm creating, I'm discussing something which is logical and realistic. Western civilization, from cars to medicine, to space, to everything that a human being has today, was created by Western civilization. White. Why are you only defensive? Right. I mean, and look, could anybody, you know, listening to me now, could, could you gentlemen answer me, please? I'll leave it to you. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. I mean, uh, I want to, I want to go to Mike Pierce. M- Mike Pierce, go ahead. Well, I've got one solution, but it's never going to happen. Mike, I also want to say just real quick, you know, with everything going on, you know, they shove so much of this shit down our throats. You know, this is a little bit off topic, but not much. I mean, it kind of aligns with the liberal, uh, you know, crazy ideology. But they're now doing drag queen story hour for little kids as well, which drives me nuts. Shove it down our throats. And make us accept it. And if we don't accept it, we're bigots and hateful people. Well, I've, I've got one. I thought it the other day of one solution, one way of bringing back the old values in, in government. I mean, basically, and go after them. Like we've already said, the, between the courts, the schools, and everything else, these people have they've they've had a field day. They've been able to get their agenda pushed and do whatever they want. Well, if we did this, you know. I think it would stop a lot of it. When you have a job, you have a job evaluation. You know what, Mike, Mike, they even have have their Messiah, Obama, telling them to cut back the rhetoric, which is like, wow. I mean, this guy's telling them to cut back the rhetoric? Jesus, go ahead, though. Sorry. Yeah. But if 
you know, you have a, a job at a major company or anything else, or even I don't care whether it's a McDonald's or something, there's a, there's a job evaluation, which they do. They would do a report and they evaluate you to decide whether or not you're eligible for a promotion or how to correct, correct your behavior so that you're better, you have better performance at your job and everything else. Why don't, why doesn't the government create a panel of judges to evaluate the judicial system and evaluate the judges and to see which judges are actually going by the second amendment and doing their job instead of pushing political agendas. Now, if we did that all of a sudden and put their heads on the chopping blocks and started replacing some of these political activist judges, I think we'd see a change. Now, the same thing with the schools. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of money that's given by the federal government, whether it's ROTC programs, grants, or anything else from the federal government to these schools. Start a board, a board that the government will appoint, and they'll evaluate these teachers to find out if they're social warriors, activists, or if they're actually doing their job in teaching and what their qualifications are. I think that would clean it up and it would terrorize. They'd all automatically, they'd say that we were Stalinists. We were Nazis. Look what we're doing. It would bring the old values back. And, uh, but it's never going to happen. But it would be nice to see that. I'd be all for that. And, and I'll tell you this, Mike. The Democrats don't know what to do with themselves. And I'll tell you why. All they have is pretty much anti-Trump rhetoric. They don't really have any policy in place. I mean, all, all they really have to offer is free stuff. Uh, Wall Street just came out the other day, and they said 71, 71% of Wall Street thinks that Trump's going to be reelected due to the fact that Democrats have no, really no agenda, and, and they don't have really any economical um, things in place that would, would benefit uh, the economy like it is now. You know what I mean? Oh, they've disgraced themselves. They've become an embarrassment, and, and it's a joke. And they're desperate. They're getting worse. I found that even my debates on Facebook with some of the liberals that come in there, they're, everything you say, they're, they're on the defensive big time, and they'll start immediately. One, one thing, uh, somebody made a comment. I replied to it. I wasn't sarcastic, and immediately the insults started the very next thing. Now, I, they yeah, didn't want to hear it. You're, what, what's happened is the foundation of their whole belief system has been shaken. And, and they're freaking out. And it's really something yeah. to see. But. And, I, and I'll tell you, you know, just, just the, the measures and the levels and, and the, the different places they'll go to try to take him down, you know, just the, all the demands now of his taxes, now of all this crazy stuff. I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, it, it never ends. Uh, I do. I do want to take a quick commercial, but then Eric, I want to come back and get some of your thoughts, and then yeah, but we have a little bit of time left. Uh, let me go to commercial real quick, guys. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. 
Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. All righty, we are back. The Rory Sodder Show. <clears throat> Listen to in 22 different countries on over 60 online platforms. And everybody, don't forget, if you missed past clips, past episodes, or want to see breaking news 24-7 coverage, you can visit the next, N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. Uh, Eric, what are your thoughts on all this? And then I, I want to ask you, uh, about desert storms, so we only have a few minutes left. But Eric, what are your thoughts? And uh, is it is it IQ or Q or QI? Is that the gentleman that's on the show tonight? Sorry. Yeah, who's is there a guy? But who's this guy? Um, is it Q or QI? The guy that's uh, IQ, in the yeah, comedy? IQ's in Europe. Yeah, IQ's calling okay. from Europe. Yeah. Okay, so he's he's hitting it right on. Um, this is one of my pet peeves with. I've been doing talk radio for a long time. One of the pet peeves with conservatives is we're, we, when I used to help start churches, we call them holy huddles, where we, we get together and talk about how great we are as Christians, and then we don't go help anybody. So um, I think where we're at right now is very simple. I, I think there are solutions. I think we have to have some party emergence and quickly so we can isolate state by state where we're going to try to hold off and identify voter ID fraud and that has to happen aggressively. We're going to have to win this house back and do a major flip so we can drastically rewrite immigration laws. Why are we sending tax returns to illegal aliens? Why are we giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens but not then coming over and arresting them for being in the country? You know, the U.S. Code 8 is violated by all of our government officials. No one does anything. So we simply have to enforce the laws. We have to tighten up, be verified, and we have to start arresting people. And we have to start saying asylum laws, no more asylum at the border. There's, there's no more chain migration. There is no more visa lottery. We're going to strictly limit H-1 visas way down to decades ago. We're going to get rid of H-2 visas. It looks like the Trump administration just increased the number of H-2 visas, which means those are, those are the people from South America that come up and do the service jobs that the people on welfare in America won't do. Okay, so we're, we have to stop this idea of bringing people in while technology is about to displace them, and then they become a state. So there are solutions, but it's going to take being disliked by half the country. Yes, I believe that America should be, you should speak English, et cetera, et cetera, and everybody should follow the law. And if you don't follow the law, then you should be, you should be arrested for aiding and abetting an illegal alien of any source because you're in violation of the code. And if we, if we don't do, if we don't actually do it, if we're not law and order, then we, then this is all semantics. We're having conversations. Everybody says, great, listen to my podcast. But in the end, nothing changes. And then you look at Europe. You look at England. You look at Paris. You look at Germany. You look at Sweden. You look at Denmark. People are afraid to come out in their own neighborhoods. There's no-go zones. Well, we have no-go now. We have no-go zones in Brooklyn. There's actually a Sharia Islamic police force, pseudo police force underneath the regular police force patrolling the streets of Brooklyn. So it's very simply, we have to 
start enforcing laws and rewriting the immigration laws and be nice to go back and get the 14th Amendment re-updated, you know, updated, do another amendment to say the 14th Amendment was written poorly, there's no such thing as an anchor baby. The fact that you can sneak in the country in California, nine months pregnant, have a baby the next day in your child is absurd. So it's going to take yeah. being disliked. And I don't know if people want to be disliked. Disliked because we believe in a hell and a heaven. And so now Christians are all hiding around going, I don't want to say anything. But it's you either stand up for who you are, your principles, or you just quit complaining. I really can't handle people that complain a lot and they don't do anything. Because then yeah. you're, you're basically just wasting time. And there's majority of the people that I meet in the conservative circles are pseudo-conservatives. They, they say that they're so upset at the border that then they don't want, they, they would not be somebody that would actually go out there if there was an actual organized event and they would quit watching yeah. Netflix and go down to the freaking border and say, yes, I'm protesting the fact that we're not arresting the governor of my state for aiding and abetting illegal aliens. But yeah. we don't because Netflix has 60 million users. We're all getting brainwashed by the same Hollywood. And then we're in, so they're introducing everything that's, you know, the transgenders. Now they're at the libraries teaching kids that you're three years old. You may be a boy, Sally, so you don't know. But maybe later on, the parents think it's funny that they're gyrating on the floor. So we, we have to step, we either step up or we just need to step down and, quit and knock it off. Because it's, it is, it is frustrating to see. That's why I, I, I'm, I own MAGABook.com, and it's hard for me to get people over to my social media site yeah. because everybody likes to go on Facebook and talk about how, how smart they we are. We have about two minutes left. Um, but, okay, sorry yeah, about but, that, but uh, that, uh, action. No, you're, you're fine. But, uh, but yeah, but it, it, can you explain Desert Storm in about a minute, like your experience? We have about two minutes left. Can you explain it in one minute? Well, I was fortunate. I was an air traffic controller, so I ended up in Bahrain, so I didn't have to – I didn't have to – go, you know, deal with a lot of, uh, I didn't have to deal with com combat situations. My, my opinion on Desert Storm is that I think it, I think it's, uh, it's set a precedent that war is not difficult for the yeah. new generation because it was such yeah. a spanking and we, right. we were united and we had half a million yeah. troops. So yeah. when Iran got involved the second time, it really, yeah, yeah. we weren't ready to go back in the second time because we, we bought the idea that America, that the Iraqis would throw their hands up and say, oh, no, it's the Americans. Gotcha. Well, it didn't work like the second time, you know, door to door. So uh, I just, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, haven't been a big fan of our foreign policy since, to be honest with you. Right. No, no, I hear you. And, and real quick before you go, please promote your new show and your new social media network real quick. Sure. So um, I set up megabook.com, like Make America Great Again, book.com. I'm going to be going on mojo50.com. It's an online um, a online radio station. It's going to be late, 11 o'clock Pacific, so people will be listening, obviously, to a lot of replays. But it's um, uh, mojo50.com. It'll be 11 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. And then I, if you want to check out my website, it's the-informant.com. My name is Eric Thompson, and my show is The Informant. Perfect. Eric, we'll have you back very soon, man. God bless you. It was great having you. Thank you. You too, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. All righty. Uh, uh, please, please tell everybody where they can find you, Daryl. Quick. DarylKane2024.com. Excellent, buddy. We'll see you tomorrow night.
Sounds good, brother. God bless. All right. Let Let's go to IQ. Please tell everybody where they can find you. They have all they have to do is Google my name, El Rasuli, A L R A S O L I. And God bless you. Fantastic show. And IQ will have you tomorrow again. Okay. We'll try. Thank you. Bye. All right. Sounds good. Let's go to Bill. Bill, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, they can find me at Super Elite Texan on Twitter. Perfect. See you tomorrow, Bill. Thanks. Let's go to Kevin. Yes, you can find me, Kevin DeKuyper, and Nationalist United on Facebook or visit our new website, nationalistunited.com. Thank you. And we'll see you tomorrow, buddy. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. It's been a fantastic show. Don't forget, we're on over 60 online platforms and listened to in 22 different countries. And as well as, uh, please visit our new media site, the next, N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. We got lots of great shows coming to you this week that I can't wait to share with all of you. And for some of the things I didn't get to tonight, I will get to them tomorrow. Uh, I'm Rory Sodder. I hope you all have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. God bless. Cheers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.